Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I'm privileged and delighted to welcome a startup guru and a podcast guru from the UK, Nick Bradley. Nick, welcome to the show. Hello, Ash. Thank you for having me on the show. It is absolutely delightful to be here today. Thank you. Nick is the co-founder of The Fielding Group. He's the host of Scale Up Your Business Podcasts, which is number one in the UK. He's an incredible entrepreneur who's built and sold businesses with a combined valuation in excess of $5.2 billion. And just as an aside, he's a marathon runner who has happened to run 67 marathons, 24 <laughs> ultra marathons worldwide. I don't know where you find the time for all this. Neither, neither do I, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> So Nick, tell me, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? Yeah, so I mean, I my whole career, if you like, um, there are transitions, mm -hmm. I'll call it like that. So things that have happened that have made me, I wouldn't say pivot because I don't really like the use of that word, but there have uh -huh. been forks in the road where I've had to make a choice mm -hmm. of something. So if I if I go back... I started a business when I was around 18, 19 years of age, mm -hmm. and it was a personal training business in Adelaide, South Australia. So we're talking late 80s, early 90s, mm -hmm. right? And personal training these days is quite a big industry in its own right. Correct. Back then, it was like no one even knew what this crazy thing was. Correct. Paying, paying someone to, you know, get uh, scre you know, scream at you on a treadmill. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, that was my first foray into entrepreneurship, but I had this big fear and kind of imposter syndrome thing going on. I ended up growing that business a little bit, and then I sabotaged that business and sold it and sold it for 3000 um, Australian dollars, wow. which was enough for me to then get on a, you know, get in my car and drive from Adelaide to Sydney. Mm -hmm. So I kind of turned my back on it. So I, I mentioned that first part of the story because I was very much an entrepreneur and have been an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. but I decided to run away from that. And the reason I chose to run away from that was because of my parents, my grandparents, the influences around my life at that time were all about get a job because a job equals security mm. and entrepreneurship equals risk. And that was the, you know, I'd had that in my head for like, you know, all my, all my growing years. Mm. So as soon as I started to get any success with that first venture, mm -hmm. as I said, I'd sabotage it. Okay. And that then took me into... 15 years mm -hmm. thereabouts of very, very high profile corporate mm -hmm. um, career. So I worked for Rupert Murdoch um, under uh, News International. Yep. I worked for some of the biggest um, magazine media brands in the world. I was a board director before I was 30. I was a CEO of business units and things like that before mm -hmm. 35. And that whole time was very um i was it was successful but it was very painful because i was repressing this entrepreneurship okay. so i kind of went through that and so that's the sort of second part and then the third part is i worked in private equity investment buying and selling businesses mm. and that is a very lucrative financially you know sort of industry to be in but it's also very toxic because it's all about the money and the power and I eventually had a bit of a, a, a second or third transition, whatever you call it, where I threw all that away. And then I worked, walked directly back into this path of entrepreneurship. And now I've got seven companies, another three that we're about to, to buy. Um, and what I do now is I help entrepreneurs and investors create freedom, wealth, and impact 
from business acquisitions, scale-ups, and then eventually selling those businesses uh, to create generational wealth. Incredible. I mean, your three milestones seem to fit with your life. I mean, you know, fitness, which is running, media, which is what you're doing in a podcast, and entrepreneurship. Fantastic. So yeah, Nick, I, haven't it, um, I haven't heard it said like that before, Ash. So that's quite, but you're right. Very, very perceptive and intuitive of you. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about startups because a very large number of people who listen to us and view us are startup entrepreneurs. So my first question to you, and, and you know, you're, you're a quintessential entrepreneur who seems to be succeeding in everything that you're doing. My first question is, why do startups fail? Yeah, I mean, startups, you know, it's the, the figure is something like eight out of every 10 in the first, you know, few few years, if you like. And there are a number of different reasons. Now, the, the first thing is that when you start a business, a lot of it's about creative energy and passion. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, there isn't a lot of complexity. It can, you know, literally be started. A business can be started by two people in a shed, like mm-hmm. Google. And, and then what you find is that as you start to try and grow and scale mm-hmm. that business, you start to increase different dimensions of complexity. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, there's a couple of things that, that really you know, make startups fail, but one of them is actually the identity of the leader, of mm-hmm. the founder. Okay. Because as you go through your own entrepreneurship journey, how you change is actually a key part of it, both your mindset and your skill set. Mm-hmm. And so quite often that change is not appreciated or understood by the, the person who starts the business. So that's the first thing. Okay. Second, second reason, is cash management Mm -hmm. the lifeblood of business is really poor Mm -hmm. so someone might be a creative person with a great idea that solves a problem but they don't know how to manage the financial aspects of a business Mm -hmm. okay that's the second and the third part is just this idea of you know scale up if you like or the transition out of startup is the ability to lead people build teams and bring structure and process into Mm -hmm. into your business and that, again, back to that identity point, can be the antithesis of creativity. Correct. Therefore, that becomes, all of those things come together and then people just give up. <laughs> like, I know. It's too hard. I agree with you. So, you know, I've often been asked this question, should a startup entrepreneur go solo or should they look for a co-founder? What are your thoughts? It depends on what they're trying to build. There are three mm. types of, there are three parts of the entrepreneurship journey. And mm. therefore, there are three types of businesses that you can create, certainly in that piece. Correct. So Correct. you've got the lifestyle business. Now, you can still create a good six, seven-figure business, a six, seven-figure income off a lifestyle business. Now, the definition of that is usually a minimum number of employees. Okay, so it's usually under 10, 10 to 12. So if you've got a small business with 10 to 12 people, they don't have to be direct employees. You can create that as a lifestyle business. You don't necessarily need to have a co-founder mm-hmm. for that, right? But your ambition is not to go much bigger. Okay. When you go into scale up, it's usually between that 10 to 12 to around 50 or more employees. At that point in time, having other people around you, it could be a co-founder, it could be a mentor, it could be co- whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Those things are important because, again, you've just got more complexity. Now, if you want to build an empire, which is what I'm doing, which is multiple businesses, Mm -hmm. multiple levels of complexity, then you have to have a good group of people around you. Again, it could be a co-founder, it could be a board, it could be a strategic Mm -hmm. um, group, if you like, but you need to have that support, that accountability, that challenge to be Mm -hmm. able to grow into that level of entrepreneur. Very interesting. And again, you know, a question I've often been asked, even this was a challenge I was faced with when I was, whenever I've been an entrepreneur, 
is that at what stage should a startup start to scale up? Yeah, so the the definition, as I said beforehand, is the ability to bring people in, lead people, build teams, and also start to work with structure and process. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions I get asked all the time is, what's the difference between growth and scale? And mm -hmm. we can get into that in a second. But as soon as you've got around about that sort of 10, 12 employees or more, you're mm -hmm. starting to move into the scale-up phase. And the reason it's, it's called that is because if I've got 10 people, I can probably manage them as the owner operator in a business. Mm -hmm. 10's getting there, but I can probably, I, 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 can, I can play with the moving parts, Correct. right? As soon as I've got 20, 30, 40, 50 people, I have to bring in what is called a management layer. Correct. So I've got to do things through people. Mm. And, and that is usually very, very hard for, as you called it, the startup entrepreneur, mm. the creative, to be able to manage. Correct. And quite often they just don't find that transition comfortable or easy. Hmm. And you were also talking about what is the difference between growth and scale. Yeah. Okay. So growth, in any business can find what we call a purple patch, mm -hmm. right? Where they, for a period of time, things work and they are, they are generating growth. And let's be clear, if a business isn't growing, it's dying. You could say that in anything in life. Growth is the lifeblood of everything. Mm. And so, therefore, if you, if you find a little bit of growth, but you don't know how you've achieved it, mm -hmm. then you have a big problem. And so, when someone says, I want growth, I want business growth, I often challenge them and say, do you really want business growth or do you want growth precision? Okay. Because precision, growth precision is about predictability and sustainability. Mm -hmm. And, of course, everyone goes, oh, yeah, I want that. I want predictable growth. When you're starting to talk about that concept, you're now starting to talk about the difference between growth and scale because scale is all about predictable growth. Okay. So if you came to me and said, okay, what's your forecast going to be for the next quarter? And I can give you a granular view of what that's going to be because I know the processes that bring in customers. I know how to deliver for them. Mm -hmm. I know how to manage my finances. See how much more controlled that is. So scale is all about the ability to turn your business into a machine that runs like mm -hmm. clockwork, mm -hmm. whereas growth is just something that can happen at any point in time. But of course, they are interrelated. Fantastic. You know, you also mentioned, Nick, that you're in the process of buying three companies. Uh, you must be funding a lot of uh, startups uh, who have good business plans, obviously. Uh, a big challenge of startup entrepreneurs is how long should they bootstrap? And when should they plan to raise money? So I, I tend to invest, and this is it's an interesting point, as much as I do a lot of startup and scale up, I tend mm. to invest just in profitable businesses. So I actually acquire businesses that are already established, mm -hmm. but they're not optimized. And the reason for that is I have an absolute love of profit and cash. Mm -hmm. So a lot of startup businesses, particularly technology startups, they can be pre-revenue or pre-profit. And some of those businesses don't make profit for years and years, and then they get sold on these very, very big multiples. Correct. And I don't play in that space very much. I see. And because I find that I, I can buy an existing profitable business and add value that way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you think about kind of, you know, um, bootstrapping, you've got to think of the trade-off here. Right. Mm. So a lot of people think I've got to go raise money. I've got to go raise money. Right. You're giving up two things. You're giving up value and okay. you're giving up control. Mm. And I actually get brought in to what I call business divorces, mm -hmm. where an early stage entrepreneur has said yes to money because they think money is what they really need when actually what they want is good strategic partnership. Mm -hmm. And then that goes foul 
And then all of a sudden, the business starts to get distracted because of this fight that's happening around the cap table, the investment side, mm. and the business goes bust. That's another reason why business startups fail. Mm. So, so my view is, if you've got a technology business, you have to go and raise investment pretty early. Okay. Because the cost of the technology, the cost of doing that is usually a, a sizable amount mm. and that it matters to get the right investment to do that properly so you build it correctly but also to have the right strategic help around it hmm. if you're building a services business or if you're building something that isn't as digitally enabled and there are still some you know great businesses out there that are not mm -hmm. then my advice to people is to bootstrap that as long as you possibly can okay you know and grow organically through the cash that's being delivered from that because you are going to be in a better position longer term most and i'll finish off on this most um tech startup businesses if they didn't have to raise money wouldn't mm -hmm. right so you've got to look at that sometimes we forget just because it's you know what do you call it vanity or it's um, very sexy yeah. at the moment to go and raise money that that's where people should go very i'm not well. a big believer of that thing very well said so now let's move to the next part of our conversation which is let's talk about your podcasts you know uh, you are running uk's number one business podcast platform which is scale up your business, I think. Um, tell me, what did you? Uh, what were you looking for when you started this? Yeah. So, so what happened? And 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 to be super clear with everyone um, and transparent. So we we were ranked number one in the UK for about four months straight, mm -hmm. and then number seventeen in the US. And and so the charts go up and down. We're we're pretty much the number one business scale up podcast mm -hmm. in the world now in terms of downloads and 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 things like that. But okay. but just to kind of this is an important piece. I launched the podcast because I I decided that I wanted to transition out of private equity and I wanted to go and do something that was much more about contrib contribution and serving others mm -hmm. than it was about the, the sort of toxic environment that I'd been through for years in private equity. Mm -hmm. And so the reason the podcast has been successful, certainly quickly, has been because it wasn't really other than me telling my story warts and all of everything that I learned about turning businesses around, you know, selling businesses, all those figures you mentioned in the introduction, mm -hmm. but also telling the story of how it affected me personally. Okay. So there's a certain degree of vulnerability within the early episodes of Scale Up Your Business. Sure. And I think what that resonated with is that there are a lot of people out there right now who their highest value is freedom. Mm. They want to be able to do what they want, when they want, with whomever they want, right? Mm. That's mm. what they want. And a lot of what Scale Up Your Business is, is, is the strategies around how you can achieve that mm. through business acquisitions, business scale up and all that sort of stuff. Okay. And because I don't have any fluff, it's direct, mm -hmm. <laughs> it is what it is, that seems to have resonated with a, a tribe of people who want to be on that pathway as well. Okay. And, you know, uh, it's very interesting you partly answered my next question, uh, which is, you know, what goes into making a successful podcast? And you did mention vulnerability is an important factor. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, again, I wasn't overly intentional about it being this way. One of the reasons I launched the podcast is because when I left the world of private equity, I was in such a, a distressed state personally, mm. because I realized that my, my focus was all on power and significance and making more money. Right that I needed to have an outlet to be able to make a bigger contribution in the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, growth and contribution are the differences between achievement and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. You can have high achievement, but low fulfillment. So my fulfillment cup was low. 
Okay. So the, the being vulnerable piece was really cathartic for me. So if you think about it, the first few episodes, I'm speaking into a microphone for 25, 30 minutes, mm. kind of talking to myself in a dark room. Mm. Right? Mm. But that's the story that resonated. So in terms of a successful podcast, th these are the elements that I found. Mm -hmm. Firstly, and this is the basics, firstly, call it something that delivers the promise. Mm. So people come because they want to scale up their business. That's what they think they want. What they get is something that helps them scale up their life as well. Okay. As I talk about mindset as much as I talk about skill set. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing is because my, my whole psychology around the podcast is to serve without really any expectation, without overthinking it, without mm -hmm. trying to make it beautifully produced. I've never, ever um, edited a podcast episode ever. Mm -hmm. That realism, and you could argue then the vulnerability, all the other bits we spoke about, is the thing that really hits people. Correct. And that's what resonates. Mm. And then the third part is what I'm going to call collaboration. So I've managed to build a really strong network, particularly across the UK and the US, but you know, in many cases, the rest of the world. We're having mm -hmm. a conversation while you're in India and I'm in the UK. Correct. And those collaborations have opened up many, many other more networks and partnerships. Mm-hmm. And so that's allowed me to be able to get my message amplified through those connections. I've even started businesses with people I've met on podcasts, okay. uh, spoken at events in, in various countries when we used to be able to fly. Mm. Um, and that's all come from just having a media platform that's allowed me to share a message out there to help people. Very interesting. Uh, my next question to you is, uh, and probably this is going to be advice for me also, that, you know, conventional marketing, uh, really means repeat purchase only if a brand is being purchased repeatedly is it successful how do you relate repeat purchase to a podcast so you know what's funny right and you mentioned this um very very concisely before about media mm -hmm. is my background in media was magazines and we used to measure frequency of purchase mm -hmm. of a magazine as being one of the drivers of value revenue and if you had a weekly or a monthly, obviously, the frequency was determined by when that was released. Mm -hmm. so, so my view on podcasting is no different to that. Mm -hmm. People are going to come back if you're providing more value than they expect. Correct. Okay. If you're making it interesting. But at the same time, one of the best definitions of a brand, as far as I'm concerned, is a promise of consistency. Mm -hmm. So you've got to stay within the lane of you know, first and foremost, who is the one person, and this is this is important, mm -hmm. that you are most trying to serve. So whenever I record an episode of my podcast, there is one person that I am speaking to all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there's many more that listen. Sure. But that. And then for me, it's about making sure that every time I put something out there, it's going to help them move forward in one micro step. Mm -hmm. Nothing big. And because I continually do that and you chip away, you chip away, you chip away, then eventually what happens is people, it, it becomes something. I, I've got people who binge listen. I've had some, I've had one person do a hundred hours of my podcast over a wow. weekend. Mm. Like, you know, or when I say long weekend, I literally listened every episode. Amazing. And I'm like, seriously, right? But the reason is because I stick to that ethos. I speak, I stick to that, that set of principles. Fantastic. So now let's move to the last uh, segment of our conversation. There are some questions for you personally. Sure. Nick, for someone who's building an empire, to use your words, and who's had such a successful career, 
what are some of the core values you believe in yeah so i it's funny right so i i believe in entrepreneurship as a force for good mm -hmm. and i believe that if you create a greater impact mm -hmm. on the world whatever that size of world is right because <laughs> it could be the world or it could be whatever your world is um things like in income and and how you how you create wealth whatever that definition is for you mm -hmm. comes from that and and one of the biggest transitions in my life back to what we spoke about at the beginning was when i first heard the quote from zig ziglar, zig ziglar which is mm -hmm. if you help enough people get what they want in life you'll have everything that you want and need in life mm. So my highest value is freedom. Okay. But very close to that is how can I serve as many people as possible? Because even though there's not a direct return, re mm -hmm. reciprocity from that, I know that I will I will attract what I need to attract in my life to have an amazing life. Mm. Okay. So I believe in those things. So you know, I'm not going to be tripe and say I believe in honesty, integrity, yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. I'm with you. I believe in values. And then I believe that behaviors come from those values. Okay. And a follow-up question for you is that for someone who's, as you said, you know, your parents wanted you to work and then you, your entrepreneurial uh, juices were flowing and who's done so much. Uh, what does success mean to Nick? S success for me is, is more these days about, um, as I said, making an impact, leaving a legacy mm -hmm. and being an inspiration for the people around me that matter. Okay. And so for that, you know, that my why is really around my family, my two young daughters who are nine and six and, and setting the right foundations for them. Okay. So an empire for me, and, and I, I use that term, it's not about the ability to sign a big check. Mm -hmm. It's about the person that I need to become okay. to do that. Wonderful. And that's a very different, but important distinction. Okay. And at you know, you spoke about you being an inspiration. My question to you is who or what inspires you? You did mention Zig Ziglar as a quote. Oh, I've got lots of coaches and mentors or people I would say inspire mm -hmm. me. You know, people like Tony Robbins have had a big impact on my life um, as, you know, one of the biggest things for me personally. But okay. I mean, what inspires me is, is people who are brave enough to follow, follow I'm going to say follow their dreams. Again, it sounds ethereal. But I'm inspired by people who are prepared to sort of challenge the way things are done. Mm. But they're doing it from a position of, as I said, contribution as opposed to a, a position of, hey, I want to be the next multi-billionaire. Mm. And so when I said before about entrepreneurship as a force for good, I think some of the, the, the big business empires out there right now have more power than governments in certain countries. Mm -hmm. They're certainly more valuable than some GDPs. Sure. So for me, I'm inspired by entre entrepreneurs who are trying to make a big change. And when I talk about empires, that's what I'm talking about. And uh, I, you know, in, in some way, that's partly what I want to be involved in, in, in terms of what I'm trying to create and, and deliver. Terrific. And my last question to you now, um, and this is for the thousands of people who will view us and listen to all your words of wisdom. What would your advice be to a young entrepreneur who's starting off on her or his journey in, in, in this big, bad startup oh, world? that's a good question. Yeah, do you know what? It's, it's not what I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I'll try and keep this crisp and precise. Okay. Is don't be relentless 
in following the thing that you really want to, to, to do in this world, your mission, it can sometimes be called. Don't get distracted by what everyone else thinks you should do. Mm-hmm. Don't get um, fed up, if you like, because people are telling you you can't. And so the reason I say that is because I made that change mm. from being very entrepreneurial to then doing something else to then coming back. And I don't regret any of it because I learned lots of stuff and had a great time. But if I'd stayed true to the path that I'd set when I was 17, 18, mm-hmm. I always do wonder what would have happened differently. Amazing. Amazing. Nick, thank you so much. You know, it's been such an incredible pleasure listening to you. Some of the amazing things you've told me about startups and about the way you've built your businesses, but more importantly, the, your philosophy of why you want to do this. I think that was very, very important to me and a tremendous learning for me. Thank you again. No, thank you, Ash. And, um, and, and thank you very much for so many really thoughtful and considered questions. I do appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.